Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hour number two of a hump day home and home. Brian Baldinger coming straight up with uh, all the video he's breaking down. What's he seeing from the 49ers? How will this trade of Jalen Ramsey to the Rams impact their Super Bowl? Chances are they even the best team in their division. Home and Home is a radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Try ZipRecruiter for free right now. It's ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. But let's start with the NFL officiating mess the zebras have made for themselves. It was Tuesday afternoon, middle of the day, and these two topics were trending on Twitter. Hashtag NFL officiating, hashtag Lions versus the refs. People still felt that the refs cost the Lions a win against the Green Bay Packers on Monday Night Football, in particular because the two illegal hands to the face by the Lions, Trey Flowers. One, Troy Vincent says, was the right call. Troy Vincent, the executive vice president of football operations, by the way. The second one, he acknowledged clearly after you review it, you've seen some slow-mos. The foul wasn't there. So they're saying they got one of two. The video suggests to some that they blew both. And it does sound like David Bakhtiari of the Green Bay Packers did his job. Was he flopping? Or was he just working the refs? He did acknowledge in the locker room, I went over to the ref and said, hey, why are we not calling hands to the face again? Because the past three plays, I've been staring at the sky. And he's like, you know, he's not looking at my side, but I at least made him look. So Bakhtiar acknowledges that he was working the refs. Was he flopping staring at the ceiling and is that your job as an offensive lineman is that standing operating procedure Ross Tucker to get those refs to look at something like this well if you feel like the the guy you're going against is doing something that's illegal that should be penalized and they're not absolutely I can remember there were times where they were grabbing me when I was trying to go up to the second level, the D linemen, usually D tackles, were grabbing me by the jersey uh, when I was trying to go up to the linebackers and block them, which is illegal. It's defensive holding. And it happened a couple of times. It wasn't called. So I pointed it out to the umpire, who's typically the guy, at least back when I played, that was behind the linebackers, responsible for the center and both guards, because I wanted him to notice it that I was not able to get up on the linebacker level because the defensive tackle was grabbing me by the jersey. And I do think in in at least one game, they ended up calling it at least once when he kept doing it. You know, if someone's going to consistently do something, and by the way, you know, calling all the games that I do, they go up to officials, both coaching staffs, go up to officials before every game and say, hey, take a look at this. Their, their, their corners get away with murder at the line of scrimmage. 
they're mugging guys, they're grabbing them, they're holding, keep an eye on that, or whatever the case might mm. be. And during the game, maybe Trey Flowers, I'd be interested to see if anybody went back and saw what Bakhtiari's talking about in terms of Flowers going up to his face mask and went in and looked at it and noticed it, and was he really doing it? Maybe he didn't get called a couple times. So that's part one, and that does happen, and it's smart by Bakhtiari, and it should happen. The second part is him kind of going like that with his head, tilting and bowing his neck back, and more or less drawing the penalty. That's also smart. I'm not a big fan of it, but that's what the officials are taught to look for. They can't always tell if the hand is up around the chest, neck area, or up under the face mask. But if they see the offensive lineman's head go back and face mask point to the sky, they're going to throw the flag because they assume the only reason why it's like that is because of illegal hands to the face. So, I mean, he did everything. He, he, hmm. did, he double dipped. He told him about it, and then he drew the foul. Okay, so first part you said – Yes, that's part of the job. If you are feel like that defensive lineman is getting away with something illegal. He didn't say that. What he said is, to your point, he said, I've been staring at the sky. He didn't necessarily say he's committing a penalty every time. He was, to me, drawing attention to his flopping. Isn't that what really happened? He's flopping NFL style. Yeah, I, I think you can say that. I mean, I, I think flopping might be a little strong. I think he's drawing the penalty, drawing the foul. <laughs> no, he's, he's flopping. Like, I know you're protective of offensive linemen, but how is that different than a guy who's faking taking a charge in the NBA or on a soccer field that, that falls back when a guy lays a finger on him. Is that because you're just protective of offensive linemen? The hands weren't on the face. They weren't on the helmet. They weren't anywhere in here. The hands of Trey Flowers were on the chest region and the shoulder pads. This is flopping. What's the difference? So flopping to me is like you reference in soccer or basketball when you go, and you get knocked to the ground. Like when I think flopping, I think you're going to the ground in order to draw a penalty that's totally ridiculous. For Bakhtiari, I think he was drawing the penalty. Now, I will say this. The first one, the NFL has said that that it was, it was the right call, that they got it right, and that Trey Flowers' hand did get up to the face mask. I don't agree. I think it's a bad call. And I think it's to me, it's like when a quarterback um, gets dramatic. I think I think Bakhtiari was absolutely being overly dramatic, melodramatic, whatever you want to call it. To me, I just think visually when I think flopping, I think the guy goes to the ground. Like I, I just think that is a flop, the act of flopping, going to the ground. But Bakhtiari absolutely was being overly dramatic. But really, I probably would have too, like, if I felt like I was being held by the defensive tackle and I'm going up to get the linebacker and the umpire's there, I might have been like, oh, hey, he's grabbing me. You know, like, and, but it was a yeah. foul. I would have just yeah. tried to accentuate the foul. I guess the difference for mm. Bakhtiari is it really wasn't a foul. 
Yeah, I'm still sticking with flopping. Uh, this is the talk of the NFL fall uh, meetings there, officiating. They also talked about, of course, the reviewing of pass interference. Uh, the NFL Competition Committee Chairman Rich McClay, Rich McKay, excuse me, declined to comment when asked whether pass interference replay is indeed working. So why don't you answer the question? Rich McKay did not. Is it working replaying pass interference? Well, wait a minute. Say that again, Dave. Is the review process that they've started with pass interference, do you feel like that's working? Um, I do not. I'm okay with it. I'm okay mm. with it. And I know everybody else just criticizes it. I'm okay with it. I'll tell you why, Dave. Because there is a standard, and the standard is really, really high for them to overturn things. Like, really, really, some would argue, speaking of Zoolander, really, really <laughs> ridiculously high to overturn it. But at least we know what that is, Dave. Like, at least we know what the standard is to overturn a pass interference penalty. It's got to be unbelievably egregious. You basically have to murder the guy for them to go ahead and overturn it. I'm okay yeah. with that because at least we're all operating under a similar standard and we know what it is. I have a much bigger issue with them throwing the flag for some ticky-tack pass interference penalties and then not throwing it for others. To me, the bigger issue hmm. is that there should be a standard for the officials themselves which is when in doubt, don't throw the flag. Like if you're sure, if you see and you're sure, throw it. But unless it's clear restriction and it's obvious, don't throw the flag. At least on replay, Dave, they've established hmm. a standard and we all know what it is. Yeah, I guess we're going to have to disagree there. I feel like the, the replay review process of the pass interference has just been a debacle to me because in several instances that we've dialed, that we've outlined here on home and home several, at least a half dozen, I think I'm being overly generous to say a half dozen have been clear pass interference. When you look at it under review and the call typically stands, they are almost never uh, changing a call on this, despite what the obvious video shows. Hopefully they come up with some answer to the officiating woes. Cause the bottom line that we all agree on, it is far too big a story. And what should be celebrated as the NFL 100, the ratings are up. So apparently it's not impacting the game adversely in that regard. People still flock to this game. 16 million people on average are watching every game. So it's not hurting there. The game is extraordinarily successful right now that you've pulled politics out of that. We got to ask Brian Baldinger about all of this in terms of the officiating and, and, and would he like to see uh, the minister of common sense just make everything reviewable late in a game? Last word on that, Ross. Well, the one last point I'll make that I thought was yep. really concerning, Dave, was Jerry Jones, you know, at the owners' meetings – being asked about it and saying, uh, you know what? Everybody's talking about it. Everybody watched. And the next day, everybody's talking about it. And if everybody's talking about it, that's a good thing. Like, he wasn't bothered by it. Now, if he was the owner of the Detroit Lions, 
I'm quite sure he would have been very bothered by it. But that is as scary as anything. There were egregious errors that affected the outcome of an important NFL game. It was not a level playing field during the game. And he's going to come out and say, well, got everybody talking the next morning. Here we are. Mm -hmm. We're still talking about it. And I know his philosophy of any publicity is good publicity. Man, mm -hmm. Dave, that's, that's about as scary as anything. If someone that impactful and that important really feels that way. I've been wronged as a Bronco fan. I'm aggrieved. The Broncos lost a game clearly over a bad call, a bad roughing the passer call. Broncos should at least have one more game if it weren't for bad officiating. That being said, Jerry Jones is right. I think he's right. Whatever they do, if it's on people's mind, if they're talking about it around the water coolers, if we are talking about it on Home and Home, and they are talking about it over there on the mothership on ESPN, I think he's right. You got you to gotta remember that whole Zeke who moment with Zeke Elliott during the contract standoff. That blew up. Everyone said, Jerry's an idiot. This is going to go bad for him. What did Jerry do? Jerry made a t-shirt out of it that said Ziku and sold them for 30 bucks on the Cowboys website. And I'll bet he sold thousands of them and he got to hold up the shirt when he signed Zeke Elliott to a deal. I hate to admit it. I think Jerry Jones might be right, Ross. Wow. Wow. <laughs> you know what? He, he, from a business standpoint, he probably is, but that is very, very scary. It's almost like, when you need to hire someone for your business in this top job market, tough job market, there just aren't a lot of qualified people out there. That's why we're happy to tell you about ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job so you get qualified candidates and you get them fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter. It is the smartest way too higher. So, man, we've hired as our NFL guru, Brian Baldinger, coming up in just a couple of minutes. Want to ask you about something Vic Fangio said first, Ross. Outstanding stuff as the Broncos and Chiefs will meet on Thursday night. He, he was talking, of course, about Patrick Mahomes. He'll answer a lot of questions about Mahomes uh, this week. He's that guy. 
like Aaron Rodgers has been for the last 12, 14 years, however many years he's been doing it. He's that guy, great passer, great improviser. He plays with a lot of, and here's the key, Patrick Mahomes plays with a lot of athletic arrogance. He's poised, he doesn't get rattled, and he's got an arm that is really, really good. I have never heard the term athletic arrogance to describe anyone what do you think of Vic Fangio's description of Patrick Mahomes? Neither have I, and I love it. I haven't either, and I love it. I think it. I think it's perfect. I think it describes Patrick Mahomes almost perfectly. He does play with a certain level of athletic arrogance in the sense that he knows he's the most talented quarterback out there. He knows he's the best player out there, and he's not afraid to use it. He's not afraid to make those throws. He's out there doing no-look throws and stuff. It's really, really impressive. I love the athletic arrogance term. Because, by the way, I think that's a big part of sports. I think you have to have some a lot of confidence and belief in your ability, especially when you've got as much ability as Patrick Mahomes does. He is spectacular to watch. Although, you know, it's interesting, Dave. Because teams are playing them man-to-man. And when you're getting mm-hmm. man-to-man, you think, wow, how can you play a man-to-man? Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill. But when you're play, getting played man-to-man, you're going to be very precise with your accuracy, very precise with your timing. And he really hasn't been the last few games. You know, Mahomes is not playing as well as he was earlier. I, I think they'll end up fixing it. I think they'll end up having solutions to it. But people are realizing that Maybe he's not as accurate. Maybe his timing's not as good if you get in front of the receivers, jam them, and play man-to-man. Yeah, the numbers play out what you're saying. Uh, Ten touchdown passes, no interceptions, just three combined sacks first three weeks. The next three weeks for Patrick Mahomes, four touchdown passes, the first interception, and five sacks. And that may have to do with that injured ankle. It was tightly wrapped, and we saw it twisted, stepped on by an offensive lineman a couple of weeks ago. That, combined with the man defense, certainly has changed the way Kansas City can move the football. Now, again, he still threw for three touchdowns and 273 yards against Houston a week ago. He's still looking like... At, at worst, third in the MVP race, uh, Russell Wilson, you could argue one, and you could argue CMC, run CMC, Christian McCaffrey could be uh, number one or number two. Let's talk about all of this with our good friend, Brian Baldinger. Baldy, good to see you, man. Dave Briggs and Ross Tucker. Want to ask you about the officiating mess, whether it's the illegal hands to the face by Trey Flowers, uh, called on Trey Flowers in the Monday Nighter, or the pass interference replay. How is that all going? What, in your estimation, does the NFL need to do to fix the officiating problem? Well, I don't know if it if there's any easy fix right now. They've just shaved the slice so thin on what any of these rules are to the point where the coaches, the ex-officials now working for national networks, the analysts, um, and the fans don't know what – they don't know what a catch is. They don't know what interference is. Uh, we used to have just a hopper, you know, for pass interference. We had basically seven categories, and you could kind of put them in the arm bar – you know, you can do all kinds of different things to sort of put them in all these different categories as to what interference is, offensive or pa- or defensive pass interference. 
But now with the with the the open ability to challenge any call right now when it comes to interference, uh, we don't really see what interference is because we see the restriction of a receiver trying to catch a football, but yet the call isn't overturned. So I'm not really sure what what use it is at this point because coaches keep burning these timeouts and they're not getting these calls overturned. And to a fan, it looks like interference. To players, it looks like interference. But they're not getting overturned at any kind of a rate right now. So we're really unsure. It's it's more it's 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 more muddy now than it's ever been. So I think they should just scrap it, be honest with you. The whole idea that you can challenge it. And just make sure the officials are in good position to make a proper call. If they miss a call in a championship game, they have to live with it right now. But this isn't the answer what we're watching uh, each week right now. You know, it's interesting, Baldy, because, you know, you played before I did. So we we span a, a good chunk of change. And there were always some bad calls. And, you know, Monday or Tuesday, the coach would say, yeah, they said they blew that one. But I don't ever remember it being this bad. I don't ever remember feeling like the outcome of this many games are being determined by blatant bad calls like this. Do you think it's fair to say it's as bad or worse than it's ever been? Or do you believe it's just the technology so much better? Well, the technology is certainly, you know, out of the toothpaste, you know, uh, barrel right now. So it's not going back in. So that's that's a big part of it, Ross. I mean, they could just slow these things down and freeze frame it and show it from, you know, 15 different angles. So the technology is, is a big part of it. But I do watch and watching all these games and seeing these calls and I just sort of shake my head going, is this really what we want to officiate? You know, I mean, I mean, I, in every single game, we're seeing it now and you're calling games, Ross. I'm calling games. We're, we're seeing it live. We're seeing it as we study these games during the week. And it is as bad as it's ever been. But in just talking to really the, like the few experienced officials that haven't opted for the better life of doing national TV that are still out there on the field every Sunday, when I talk to them, they basically off the record are telling me it's impossible to officiate right now. It's impossible to officiate the game. You can add an eighth official like they do in college. I don't think it's going to make it any better. Uh, every single call is under review, uh, whether it is or not, it's under review. And then it seems, I know it's not the case. But we see these games right now where it's a flag, 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 a play in a flag. I mean, we're going two, three, four plays sometimes in a row, and all they're doing is picking up laundry and having conferences, and there's just no flow to a lot of these games. And it is a real problem. And the NFL has got to come together. I don't, you know, whether the competition committee is meeting right now, I mean, they have to talk about this stuff and just look at it from a fan's perspective because that's what we're trying to placate here. We're trying to make it fan-friendly and fun to watch. And it just isn't right now. Yeah, no question. It, it is an issue. But again, 16 million people are watching every game. The ratings are up. Everybody seems happy aside from a couple of bad calls. No one's happy in Detroit. And for me, no one's happy in Denver the way uh, we lost a game. But uh, I want to talk to you about the big trade. Jalen Ramsey now going to the Rams. Two number ones at a number two. That's no first round picks from 2017 through 2021. I said that the Rams build rosters like my wife packs for vacation. All fancy shoes, not a lot of t-shirts and jeans. Have they given away too much? And are the Rams still the third best team in their division, even with Jalen Ramsey? Well, we got to wait and see. 
you know, I mean, if the Rams are in the Super Bowl this year and Jalen Ramsey is a big part of their success, uh, if they get to the playoffs and if they win the playoffs, then you'd say it's it's worth it. I mean, from the outside in, I I went back and just started watching Jalen the three games he played this year. I mean, Kansas City went right after him uh, the very first play. I mean, I saw Sammy Watkins score a touchdown against him. I mean, they didn't fear him at all. I'm not saying Jalen Ramsey isn't a good player, but you know, if you look at a team like the Chiefs, which is a playoff caliber team, I know they're struggling right now, but they're a playoff caliber team with a great quarterback. They didn't fear Jalen Ramsey in the week one game. Um, you know, I, I don't know what kind of a willing tackler he is away from the ball carrier in front of him. I mean, he doesn't look like he's all that intense about getting a, trying to stop Sammy Watkins from going 68 yards for a touchdown that game. So, but I mean, Wade Phillips has a long, long history of coaching great players and getting the, the most out of them. I think he did with, uh, I mean, just go all the way back to Bruce Smith and all the guys he's coached. So he can handle Jalen Ramsey. And he need, they need him right now. I mean, they lose Aqib Tlaib. Maybe he comes back. They trade Marcus Peters. The Ravens need him. They need a corner. Now, is the compensation too much? It's hard for me to part with two number ones and whatever, a fourth-round pick for any player in this league. I, I You know, outside of a, an elite quarterback, I, I don't know that I would make that move for anyone. I'm, I'm with you, Baldy, especially not even knowing – you know, what kind of contract he's going to get. Now he's got unbelievable leverage over them. Uh, personally, I wonder how much of it's to try to continue to generate a buzz in L.A. and maybe there there's some business concerns there. I got to tell you, though, I, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the whole game or how much yet between the Rams and the Niners. Baldy, I love the Niners. I love watching the Niners Really on both sides of the ball. I mean, yeah. to have both their tackles and use check out, these are not like the Joe Montana Niners. These are like an awesome physical. I love it. Uh, I'm surprised. I mean, I thought they'd be better. I didn't think they'd be this good. What stands out to you the most when you watch San Francisco? Well, they're not like any other 49er team we've seen in a long time. I mean, you might have to go back to, you know, uh, Jim Harbaugh days there. Um, but, I mean, they could beat you up in a phone booth, you know, with a defensive front that Eric Armstead has woken up. He's like the woken giant on that defense right now. Uh, Jimmy Ward was kind of a forgotten guy there, and he made one big play after another. The Rams couldn't gain a yard, Ross, on two different occasions. Down on the goal line, they couldn't gain a yard. They couldn't gain a yard early in the fourth quarter at midfield. With three opportunities to gain a yard, they couldn't get a yard. Um, that's that. But to see Daniel Brunskill, you know, in there for McGlinchey, to see Justin School in there for Joseph Staley, to see them cobble the fullback position together, um, you know, to see, I mean, they just look like a team. Like they're playing as a team. The backups have stepped up. The coaching has stepped up. Uh, Mike McDaniels is a genius when it comes to the run game coordinator. Uh, you know, Solomon Thomas right there in your picture with the sack. I mean, Solomon Thomas, the guy that they wanted to run out of there in the worst way, but they've got a role for him. And they're just playing the game the right way. They're playing with a lot of energy right now. They took the Rams apart. Um, that game, I mean, it was 20-7, to 7, but really the Rams, I mean, they couldn't throw the ball against them. They couldn't run it against them. Um, you know, I mean, they just they, they didn't look like a good football team against the 49ers. And I think Jimmy G is only going to get better. Because I think Debo Samuel is going to be an elite player for that offense. We know what George Kittle is and what kind of a teammate he is. And I just think that if you give Kyle Shanahan 
30 minutes to come up with a game plan, it'll be the best freaking game plan that we'll see. Uh, if you give them a week, you're going to see plays that we haven't seen before, like we did last week. So, I mean, Kyle, is he's a fun guy to be around. He's demanding, and there's certain things that he likes, but he is creative um, when you give him a couple days to get ready. You can see how good Kyle Shanahan is. By the way, Matt Ryan and the Falcons have performed since he left, I think right at or just below 500 since Kyle Shanahan left. Time to Brian Baldinger, NFL Network and our radio.com NFL analyst. Um, you mentioned the 49ers going there and beating up on the Rams. And Ross and I talked about it earlier in the program. NFL LA right now feels like a failure. Certainly as far as the Chargers go, they can't even fill a 27,000-person stadium. Maybe the Rams draw a little better. You spend plenty of time in Los Angeles. Is that an NFL market? Does it feel like one that's going to succeed in the long run? Well, maybe they made a mistake by not uh, inviting the Raiders to L.A., you know, and letting them go to Las Vegas, because that, I think, is going to be a fun team to watch. I don't know. I mean, Hollywood Park is going to be a fantastic venue. I mean, I've done, I've seen the virtual tours of it. I've been out there. I mean, it's going to house the NFL Network. We're going to be uh, working there uh, starting next year. I mean, I'm excited about – I'm always excited about new stadiums. I think we all are. You know, we there are um, – the Roman Coliseums in all these different uh, cities, you know, Jerry's World in Dallas, in Arlington. I mean, these stadiums are exciting. Now, you've got to put an exciting product out there. So, obviously, the Chargers have gone backwards right now. Uh, I think they're going to get better if they can get healthy ever. Um, maybe if they could trade for Trent Williams, that would help Philip Rivers in the offense. Who knows? But I think, you know, I think Sean McVay, as long as he's coaching the Rams, the Rams are going to be – they're, they're going to keep making deals. I mean, Jalen Ramsey will come in and, you know, this year and, you know, and Dominican Sue and the, the next, you know, next year there's going to be another star player coming in. And so, I mean, I just think that, you know, the Rams are going to be, they're, they're going to be the team. Uh, it's going to be an exciting venue. We'll see what the Chargers can do. I mean, they got to build a fan base. You know, we got to get lightning bolt fans out there. You, you got to cultivate them. You got to give them something to go watch, something to cheer for. Uh, we've all seen this. I've seen empty stadiums in big football towns before. I've seen Buffalo empty at times when the, when the team has been bad. But I've been in western New York and Buffalo at the Ralph when the bills are rolling, and there's no place you'd rather be in the world. So you got to put a product out there for the fans to get excited about. And if you do that, I think they got a fighting chance in L.A. Baldy, last one for me. Uh, watching the Ravens Sunday, Lamar Jackson – so many carries, uh, over 100 yards rushing in the first half. I do a lot of college games. They run the quarterbacks all the time. Do you think this is sustainable, what they're doing? Because I was under the impression they weren't going to run them as much this year, but it's happening again. Well, I saw all those runs that he had last week against Cincinnati. And, you know, if you're going to go run for that touchdown run and you're going to put your head down in the pylon just bury yourself in there – I don't know that anybody, a running back, maybe Emmett Smith can survive. You know, may, you know, there's some great running backs that could survive that type of punishment. We have never seen a quarterback survive it. I played with Randall Cunningham. I've done Mike Vick, Vick's games. I mean, um, Steve Young. I mean, have we seen all these guys? None of them have survived. So is it sustainable? Probably not, but they're going for it. They're going for Ross. They're, they're on pace right now to set the NFL record for rushing yards in a season. And so then you say, okay, if it's just sustainable for two years, but they, 
get to a Super Bowl with it. Is it worth it? Yeah, probably is. Next guy up, uh, you know, if he just falls apart or has some serious injury, which we, you know, obviously we want Lamar Jackson in this league a long time. He's an exciting mm-hmm. player. He fills the seats. But I think that uh, they're not going to change, and he's not going to change. He had plenty of chances to get out of bounds, slide, protect himself last week. He's not doing it. So I'm done with that conversation about he's got to do this in order to get through 16 weeks and into January. I'm done with all of that. This is how he wants to play the game. And I think the Ravens are fine with it right now. Sure. What I can't figure out is, can he throw the ball? Seven touchdowns those first two games against the JV, Arizona and Miami. Since then, four touchdowns, five interceptions. Can he throw the ball well enough for the, for sustained success? Well, I just, I feel like I know Lamar pretty good. And this guy wants to be great. He doesn't want to be good. He doesn't. He wants to be great. He wants to be great in post in, in post game press conferences. He wants to be a great leader. He wants to be a great quarterback. So I don't know. I've seen quarterbacks improve. I mean, I think he's better than he was last year. He's got better weapons around him. It looks like on third down, Mark Andrews is getting the ball. If they need a deep shot, they're going to take it to Marquise Brown. Uh, he's got a lot of good weapons there. They're a running football team. Everything's going to come off the run. I don't know that he has to be an elite quarterback. But in order to move ahead in the postseason, because I believe the, the Ravens are built for the postseason, uh, they're gonna, he's going to have to throw it better. We saw that last year in the loss to the Chargers. So I, I'm going to give him the next uh, 10 weeks to see how much better he can get right now. But I believe he wants to be great, not just good. I believe he wants to be great, and I think he's going to keep working at it. Brian Baldinger, NFL Network, Radio.com NFL Analyst. Great to have you, my friend. Appreciate the time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Yep. Have a good one. Ross, uh, you've been clear about Lamar Jackson. You think he can't hold up. Not a big frame. Takes a lot of big hits. Look, I just don't see the down the field passing. I, I obviously we saw it against Miami, five touchdown passes to the next week against Arizona. I've not been impressed with the way he's thrown the ball since. Do you think he's a good enough passer to sustain success there? When you have these great defenses, they're not going to let him run this much. Yeah, I do. I, I think they can have sustained success as long as he's healthy. My concern is him staying healthy. I think I mentioned this yesterday, but the quarterback run game is nasty. It is the great equalizer. Every college game I do, when they real, I mean, the college coaches even say they call it the equalizer. It's so hard to defend. And at the NFL level, they just don't see it very often. So Greg Roman and the Ravens have said, look, we're going we're gonna to go about things differently in the NFL. Everybody else is doing this other stuff. We're going to run the quarterback. We're going to run him a lot. And by the way, if he starts hitting on more of the passes again, they will be unstoppable. So do I think how he's playing right now in terms of run pass is sustainable in terms of success? Yes. The question is whether or not it's sustainable in terms of health for Lamar. And what intrigues me there is maybe they've made the decision that, hey, hopefully he lasts the whole year. But if he doesn't, we have RG3. And if he doesn't, we have Trace McSorley. They have three quarterbacks, Dave, that can conceivably run the same or a similar Mm. type of offense. And so even if Lamar gets hurt, they can keep rolling with this same offensive style and You know, part of me wonders, I know RG3 and and McSorley aren't as fast, 
but they can run the same stuff. And I, and I wonder if that's the decision the Ravens have made. I mean, John Harbaugh said before the year, take the over in terms of rushing attempts. He, he wasn't lying. They, they are revolutionizing the way NFL football is played. No doubt about that. We'll ask Bruce Grodkowski about this. He joins us from Pro Football Focus in the 10 o'clock hour with their top five graded quarterbacks uh, after week six in the NFL. Check out Bruce Grodkowski to start the 10 o'clock hour. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk LeBron James, another brick, and the NBA versus China controversy. He tried to clarify for, I think, the third time his remarks about Daryl Morey, about China. We'll play that for you when we come back. Hey, everybody. Cody Decker here from Swings and Misses, the Radio.com Sports Original, here to talk to you about 4hims.com. 4hims.com is your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. And you know what? I'm 32, and I've been taking hymns for three weeks now. Baseball did everything it could to take my hairline away from me, whether it was just wearing a helmet, wearing a hat, or my managers just not playing me. My hair was going away. And I'm 32 years old, and I don't want to be part of this statistic anymore. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims is helping guys be the best versions of themselves with licensed physicians and FDA-approved products to help you regrow your hair. 4Hims connects you to real doctors online. Get the hair loss treatment everybody's talking about, featured in GQ, Men's Health, Playboy, just to name a few, not to mention, I talk about it every day on our Radio.com original Swings and Misses. Go to 4Hims.com swings. That's 4Hims, F-O-R-M. H-I-M-S dot com slash swings. NBA season doesn't start until Monday, and already LeBron James is a big 0 for 3 from the field. As you know, LeBron James weighed in or sort of weighed into the controversy over the NBA versus China. Of course, this all started with Rockets general manager Daryl Morey tweeting his support for the Hong Kong protesters, deleting that tweet, and suddenly all these business relationships between the NBA and China were beginning to sever. Adam Silver stepped in, said we're not going to apologize for that tweet. We realize there are consequences that we are willing to accept. LeBron James entered this and just botched the entire thing. Then he took to Twitter to try to clarify his remarks, but still everyone was so confused over, well, does he understand the Hong Kong protest? Is he insulting Daryl Morey by saying he was not educated on the situation? Was it strictly about selling shoes and jerseys and pushing the Space Jam 2 movie in China? LeBron James did everything but say, hey, look, I'd rather sell shoes and get really rich in China than weigh in on anything to do with human rights or freedom of speech in China or Hong Kong. It was brutal. It was bloody. No one was applauding what LeBron James had to say about the situation. So reporters did what they do. They returned to LeBron James yesterday and tried to get further clarification on what exactly his stance was. Listen. Do you get where the criticism comes from? Like as complex as the issue might be, I think generally it's talking about freedom of speech and human rights issues. Where do you, how do you kind of process this sort of um, I don't know, I mean, it's obviously it's a, I mean, it's a tough situation that we're all in right now. Um, 
as an association. That's us as athletes, owners, GMs, whatever, so so forth. Um, you know, I think you know when an issue comes up, if you feel passionate about it or you feel like um, it's something you want to talk about, then then so be it. Um, I also don't think that um, every issue should be everybody's problem as well. You know, so you know when things come up, there's there's multiple things that that we haven't talked about that happen in our own in our own country that we don't bring up. You know, there's things that happen in my own community that, you know, trying to help my kids graduate uh, high school and go off to college is, you know, what's been my main concern over the last couple of years, you know, in my school. There's issues all over the world. Um, and, and we, I think the, the best thing we can do is, you know, if you feel passionate about it, talk about it. Um, if you're not, um, if you don't have a lot of knowledge about it or you don't quite understand it, I don't think you should talk about it because uh, it just puts you in a, in a tough position, so. Um, I feel like I talked about it yesterday. Um, I tweeted out a couple of responses to people not understanding, you know, my knowledge of what it came from, from my brain and, and, and for me learning from the situation. I'm talking about it now and uh, I probably won't talk about it again. No, LeBron, you're not talking about it now. You're spinning in circles. You're spitting out jitter, just utter crap that makes no sense, that connects no dots. If Daryl Morey is uneducated, tell us how you are educated on the demands of the Hong Kong protesters, on the lack of freedom of speech, on the authoritarian government there in China. But right now, you've said a lot of nothing. And here's how the protesters in Hong Kong feel about this situation. For those of you watching on the Radio.com app, I'm holding up a paper that shows pictures of Hong Kong protesters burning LeBron James' jersey. He has done himself no good. LeBron James took several years to dig himself out of that hole caused by that moronic decision to say and have a show and then announce to the world that he's taking his talents to South Beach. He worked hard to fix his reputation, and I, like many millions of others, we're all in on Team LeBron until the confusing last 36 hours. I think, Ross, this is worse than the take my talents to South Beach garbage. It just makes no sense. What would you like to have heard from him? And do you feel it's worse than that South Beach nonsense? Dude, that is so funny that you just said that. Because I was going to say to you, what would you have wanted him to say? That was exactly what I was going to say to you. Because I think that is really the question right now. Um, what I would say is, I, I guess I like honesty. I like mm -hmm. transparency. It's a tough thing for anyone to say. Um, but I would have rather him not be critical of Daryl Morey. I think if, yes. if I were answering the question, I would just say, look, I'm not touching that one. That's a that is a no-win situation. No matter how I comment on it, I think my record, as far as human rights and how I feel, speaks for itself. I'm not touching Daryl Morey. I'm not touching uh, the situation over there. I think Adam Silver has done a good job talking about how the NBA feels about it. And frankly, I feel the same way Adam Silver does. That's what I would have said, probably. Now, I wouldn't have mind if he said, look, 
Uh, I don't know a lot about Hong Kong. I know I sell a shitload of stuff in China, so I'm not saying anything bad about China. I would have been okay with that too. I just don't like hypocrisy. So I I would have preferred a no comment or an honest, but to like go on the attack of Maury is just hilarious to me. Maury, of all people, one of the smartest executives in all of professional sports, a guy that went to Northwestern Sloan School of Management, a very educated front office executive. And if LeBron James was saying that Maury was uneducated, then at least enlighten us as to how you know this and how you are educating on it. Look, there are a lot of different directions I would have been satisfied with. And I've said this before. I'm okay with the fact that Steve Kerr Kerr, uh, said, look, because I comment on U.S. politics and the United States president, President Trump, that does not mean I'm going to wade into every political situation in the world. I'm okay with that. I would have preferred, like you, he said, I support my commissioner. I echo the thoughts of Adam Silver, who's done an excellent job navigating this situation. I will give you a third option, LeBron James. Because this is genuinely the way I feel, Ross. I feel that if we want to impact change around the world, sports is a great way to do it. In fact, I can't think of many better ways to spread the American way than sports. And I think having basketball in China can actually give those people a glimpse at what our democracy offers these young men who will become one-man corporations like LeBron James, who at minimum make millions of dollars to play a kid's game, and like LeBron James, who will someday be a billionaire. What better way is there to spread democracy in the American way than show them how we make a living, how we use sports to spread this wonderful country and all we stand for. He took none of those paths and he still hasn't cleared it up. And I go back to the most important words of the nib high principle. What you've just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I've ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response was there anything that could even be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points. And may God have mercy on your soul. Let me soul. ask you this, Dave. Let me ask you this: How will you feel <laughs> if? Uh, how will you feel if the Rockets fire uh, Daryl Morey? Uh, I will feel awful about that. I will feel like this whole experiment has been an utter failure, and that the NBA will have done what some feel they've already done. Not me. Entirely caving to the autocratic government. Xi Jinping and just caved to China and the awful human rights abuses they continue to commit each and every day. And we talked to our friend John Lopez, Sports Radio 610, down in Houston. He feels like there will be some quiet exit for Daryl Morey that he won't necessarily be fired, but he will be slowly, quietly nudged out the door. And what about you? Uh, yeah, I think... Um... I think that what John Lopez said probably does happen. I think, quite frankly, Dave, LeBron, I guess he was going to be asked about it at some point, but I don't want to say it was dying down, but it wasn't top of mind anymore. People had moved on to NFL Sunday, and 
to World Series and baseball and, you know, the, the ALCS, NLCS. But then him bringing it back up Monday just kind of reignited it for a whole nother week, you know, which they were trying to have it die down. There are some people that think that the NBA is that has more leverage than people realize here and that they're too powerful in China and China can't afford to just say, okay, we're getting rid of the NBA. I, I don't know how that works. What I think is interesting is I personally don't think it was a very smart tweet by Daryl Morey at all, at all. You, you don't do things publicly that can cost your boss millions of dollars. I'm sorry. We all have bought, like, I wouldn't sit here on radio.com, on the radio.com app or on radio.com slash home, and I wouldn't tweet something or say something publicly that would cost Entercom, radio.com, our employer, millions of dollars and expect to keep my job. And not only that, I wouldn't do it in the first place. You know why? I like my job. I like my jobs. I'm not that stupid. Like, and by the way, his tweet accomplished nothing positive and really all, and then he deletes it, which shows that he doesn't, I mean, it, I think Daryl, I don't think Daryl Morey looks good in this at all. I think number one, he looks stupid for tweeting it in the first place and not having more common sense than that. He should talk to me, the minister of common sense. And then number two, when he deletes it, that's like cowardly. So he, I mean, he, he got the daily double of stupidity in one thing. He got being ignorant. And then number two, he got being a coward. That's pretty, that's, that, that, that's a bad day. That's a heck of a bad day. But Daryl Morey can write a sincere thank you to LeBron James for changing the subject and putting all this negative press right back in King James' lap. I don't think this will last as long as the Take My Talents to South Beach remark. That felt like it took a couple of years to fix his reputation after the four, five, six titles he claimed they were going to win. But this one's going to take a while. It's going to take a while for that mark to wear off. Heavy Asian influence out there in the city of Los Angeles. They love their Lakers, and they certainly are excited for this team with Anthony Davis. But globally, he's a brand, and that brand had a very bad week. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk about the quarterback grades in the NFL. Who is number one? And why is Patrick Mahomes below guys... Well, several guys. He's not in the top five. Mahomes and others. We'll talk to Bruce Gradkowski of Pro Football Focus about all the grades in the NFL after a quick break here on Home and Home. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 